Welcome to Braves Country. On this episode of Braves Country, we welcome Michelle Malone. She's an award-winning singer-songwriter, guitarist, and producer from Atlanta. She'll talk about her love for the Braves and college football, as well as working with the legendary Greg Allman next on Braves Country. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, Michelle Malone. How you doing, Scott Mon? Great. Now that I'm talking to you, welcome to Braze Country. Thank you. My pleasure. We always talk Braves baseball, but now we're going to get to talk Braves baseball on the Atlanta Braves radio network. Can you believe it? I can believe it because you're awesome. Uh, how are you doing? Where are you today? I see you've been uh, touring a lot again. I'm actually home today, you know, uh, but I, I have been getting a lot more shows. And I had a gig in Albuquerque. Wow. Getting out of the state a little bit here and there, you know, it's nice to start to feel uh, a little normal again, right? Hi, Michelle. How are you today? Hey, Todd. Doing good. How are you? I'm very well. It's such a pleasure to be talking to you. I've never had the pleasure of doing that before, but I uh, have followed your music for a long time, so uh, it, it certainly is my pleasure. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You bet. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I love the fact that you sound like I sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What are you saying? What are you saying, Todd? I'm saying you have a, <laughs> a, such a beautiful southern accent that there's not many of us that have this accent anymore, or at least it doesn't seem like it. Maybe not in Atlanta, yeah. but boy, they're everywhere. Right. I, so let me correct myself. Yes, in in <laughs> Atlanta. And you know what? Because I tell Scott this occasionally. I'm like, and, and I've said it a couple times on a couple different shows, that Atlanta, to me these days, seems like a city in the south versus a southern city. Yeah, that's true. There are not as many uh, Atlanta natives as there used to be, I, I guess. And, uh, and, you know, Atlanta's a great place. It is. A lot of opportunities. So a lot of folks have moved here over yeah. the years. And it's a little different, but... Yeah, it's I, a lot the same too. It it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I um like I love Atlanta. I do, and I'm so proud of Atlanta, and I'm proud, so proud to be from Georgia, and I'm so proud to talk the way I do. And you know, some people don't understand that, and that's okay. I, I but it is, you know, because my wife is from upstate New York, and we moved we moved here, you know, and uh, and she likes it better because it it reminds her more of kind of what she's used to with a bigger city and you know i grew up in dalton georgia i'm old country boy it's different because it, you're right there's so many people that come here because there's so much opportunity which i applaud but it, but occasionally it loses it, it takes a little bit of what atlanta is you know a, a city in the south or, or a southern city away and and i don't i don't you know things change and it's okay that things change well, they have to, right? Yeah, they do. You're right. They all and they always, you know, you continue to evolve and you continue to grow, and things uh, don't always stay the same. But you know, there's a little bit of me that longs for Atlanta to be a, a southern city. We got a big airport, Tug. So. Yeah, we got a big old airport. Ain't no <laughs> doubt about it. 
Yeah. That's a big one. That's what happened. That's right. And when you said uh, you sound like me to Michelle, I thought you were talking about y'all sounded hungover or something. I didn't know. Oh, no. Uh -uh. Mm -mm. Oh, come on. He's he's making it out like you just every night just get a fifth and get get wild and get after it. Michelle Malone is a rocker. I don't know. I know know. that, but I mean, that don't mean you drink a fifth every night. Lord have mercy. I tell you, this has gone off the rails on the crazy. It's like well, Ozzy we, Osbourne. I tell you what, we wrote this beautiful <laughs> we wrote this beautiful intro for Michelle, and now we, we run I've, all over it. I've ruined it. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like I didn't ruin it and tell you that Rolling Stone says, you listening, being the collective you, she is raucous and jubilant. Somewhere between Lucinda Williams and Shelby Lynn is Michelle Malone, alternating between soulful ballads and rowdy, riffy blasters. Now, I don't really even know what a riffy blaster is, to be honest with you. Well, I'll have to set you up with some music. Yes, I know. I, I've just never heard it described that way before. You know those Rolling Stone writers get paid by the new word they come up with. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like like Riffy Blaster. Yeah, right. I get that. Anyway, but also an uh, award-winning American songwriter, singer, guitarist, producer, and from Atlanta, Georgia, which there is nothing better, as we've already discussed. There's just a uh, big, big uh, b- community of great musicians that come from Atlanta. And we want to welcome you to the Braves Country Podcast here on the Braves Radio Network. We're so honored to have you and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. Well, that's the whole podcast right there, Michelle. There that's all the time there we have. Go. Thank you. And have a nice day. <laughs> but Michelle Malone is really a big fan of the Atlanta Braves, and that's something I've enjoyed over the years is wherever we are. At, we seem to wind up at a lot of the same concerts and, and events and such. And uh, and the first thing we talk about is what's going on with the Braves. And Michelle, everyone in Braves country is talking about the injury that's ended the 2021 mm-hmm. season for Ronald Acuna Jr., and we want to know, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? I mean, it's really unfortunate, right? Yes. I, I think we were doing so well, and, and, and well, especially him. And then, you know, you have the rug pull out from under you, so to speak. But he'll come back, and, and he'll be stronger than ever and reinvigorated, you know, next year. So it, I, I, I think it'll be all right. He's not all right for this year, but. But there's a lot of other players. Yeah, yeah. It's, maybe someone will step up. Well, right? I'm hoping. I'm hoping that's the case because he has really carried the water for the team this year, and um, without him, it's going to be, it's going to be quite a challenge. Let me ask you about your love for the Atlanta Braves and and just you know Braves baseball in general. What is it that 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 drew you to the Braves? Is it a lifelong thing that you grew up watching the Braves with your you know, your grandparents or your parents or, or whomever, what is it that connects you to the Braves? That is exactly what it is. It's growing up with the Braves, watching with my grandparents and forming this early bond with uh, the team. And, and you know, I know it wasn't family, but it sure felt like it to me because mm-hmm. they were in my living room with my family. And it always... We, you know, we, we gather around the TV and watch it or go to a game together or, you know, it, when you're little, it, it, it's such an impression. It leaves such an impression. It seems so big, you know, because these are these, these you know, incredible athletes and guys that are, you know, playing baseball since they were probably six years old and they made it to the, the, the top of the mountain, I guess. You're playing this game and making millions of dollars. And, you know, a long time ago when, when you and I were watching the Braves on TBS before Sanford and Son or after Sanford and Son, you know, because <laughs> that was what it was always on or the Beverly Hillbillies or something. And then we Except would watch. for Saturdays, you had wrestling. That's right. You'd have the WCW <laughs> or the NWA and it'd be Ric Flair. Woo! 
Ooh, you know, he'd ride Space Mountain, you know, and he would come out and, and he'd wrestle the American dream, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. I'm sorry, we digress. Yes, I didn't mean to. I just get carried away when I hear stuff like that because it takes me back to my childhood, too. Yeah, it was uh, it was a special time, obviously, for all of us growing up here. Uh, I I have so many memories that stick with me over the years from watching the Braves. And, and you know, when you're really little and you go to a baseball game, it's the biggest event you've ever seen in mm-hmm. your life. And that makes another impression. So, you know, they're part of my family. They're part of, of what makes me me. Now, Michelle, we always like to talk about people's favorite Braves memories and their favorite Braves players of all time. And I happen to know, I don't want to spoil it and, and steal your thunder, but I happen to know that you saw on television uh, Henry Aaron break Babe Ruth's oh, wow. home run record, didn't you, when you were a very young child. Will you tell us about that? Yeah, I I, I remember watching that and uh, with my grandmother in our little apartment uh, and it, I guess I didn't understand the historical significance of it at the time, but what I did understand is that when it happened, everyone rejoiced and everyone was so excited and jumping up and down, including my grandmother. (laughs) And and I had never seen her do that before, so that was a really big deal, you know. And, of course, later when I got older, I realized how significant that was. Right. what a milestone it was, and, and I got to see it, you know, and that's my first big impression of the Braves, and that stays with you forever. Goodness gracious, yeah, it gives me cold chills just hearing you talk about it because I think most people in the moment, you know, they they were just like couldn't believe what they were seeing, and, and, and you're right, it was so culturally, culturally relevant in so many different ways that uh, it's great that our city was the city that was able to to have that moment and, and have it seen around the world. I, I think it's terrific. Have you been out to the ballpark since it re, has it since it's reopened, since, uh, you know, the kind of the pandemic slowed down a little bit? I have not been this year. I mean to. And, and, you know, I keep getting the opportunity and then something happens and with work or whatever, and I can't go. But uh, I, I really want to. Now, who are your favorite current players, Michelle, on the Braves? <laughs> it, that sounds like a trick question. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> if you say Acuna, then you left out Freddie. If you say Freddie, you left out Acuna or Ozzy or, or Dansby, who's a local kid. And it, there's just there's there's a plethora of players that are easy to cheer for. I mean, of course, Freddie, and of course, Acuna, and. And I usually go with my top two because at this point in my life, I have a hard time remembering more names than that. But <laughs> <laughs> same here. But you know, I love these people, and I, I I'm so sorry that that happened to Acuna. But yeah, it's tough. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. You know, Chipper. He didn't he tear his ACL back in the day and then come back the next year and really kick some butt. I believe you're right about that. That's a good memory. You're just making fun of your memory, and I think your memory is turning out to be pretty dang good. I I, I got to tell you, that's a, a pretty impressive dead gum memory. There it is. You know that it is. But uh, you listed off a bunch of players and and you, you talk about that, but that it reminds you of the players that you grew up with because you mentioned that a minute ago too. Just all those players that felt like family to you because they were in your living room every night. Do some of the players. That, that you remember from growing up that were your favorites? Well, I, I do, of course, remember Hank Aaron. I remember Phil Necro. And, and that, you know, from the very early years from watching with my family. And then there's a big 
gulch where I don't remember much from baseball or TV in general because I think I was just focused on other things. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the golden era of the 90s, Braves. Yeah. And that really has stuck with me forever. And I just have two words, Bobby Cox. There you go. Number six, the legendary. Yeah. What, did, what did you love about Bobby Cox the most? <clears throat> well, from what I understand, the way he coached, the way he treated the, the players, the you know, he treated them like family. He was like a, a dad that really got behind them, stuck, uh, stood up for them. And, I mean, how many times did you see him go to the umpire and pick a fight and stand up for his players and kick dirt and then get ejected? So. Well, at least 161 <laughs> times we know of. Yeah, probably right. a lot right. more than that. So, <laughs> All right. I, I admire that, you know. I mean, Scott runs a website that uh, features, you know, the, the 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 facts about Bobby Cox called Thanks Bobby, you know, and it was the whole thing that he did with the Braves as Bobby Cox's career was coming to an end and, and the twilight of, you know, a, a great career that was Bobby Cox. So, yeah, it, nobody knows it better than Scott, without a doubt. Well, and Michelle, I know you were all about Thanks Bobby and you still show gratitude for Bobby Cox. You got a Thanks Bobby t-shirt somewhere in your t-shirt collection, I'm sure. Somewhere. And I know... If I can- find it can you get me another one yeah <laughs> might you, be able to you know what thank you michelle you can go to www.thanksbobby.com <laughs> get yourself one thanksbobby.com we got a uh, thanks bobby and thanks chipper and a couple other shirts up there and they all benefit the homeless pets foundation still so yeah which oh, which great. yeah which we need to make mention of that uh, that we lost the the leader of the uh, homeless pets foundation dr michael good who ran a town and country vet clinic in in marietta was a great man and loved animals and Gosh, man, it stinks that uh, that he has passed, but uh, he did such great work, and we're certainly glad to have known him, proud of what he was able to accomplish. But I don't want to bring the show well, down. Well, it's an enormous loss for the it Braves is. family and all the Braves country, but he was such a jovial guy. He would just want us to keep on partying, oh, keep on chopping, you know. So with a, I mean, he doing. named his son Dr. Feelgood. I so, know. I mean, <laughs> he named his son Philip just so his son could be Dr. Phil Good. Can you believe that, Michelle? <laughs> That's the truth. Oh, I wish I'd have met him. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, you can still meet Doctor Feelgood. He's uh, he's uh, he, I think he's practicing here in town now in in the in the vet clinic. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you I mean you still can. It's uh, it's funny. Hey, the Braves invited you to play the national anthem on the Fourth of July at Turner Field a few years back, and uh, noticed you celebrated that performance on social media this year for Independence Day. Tell us a little bit about how that came down, how the invite came, and and you know just how did. How did it make you feel to be able to do that in front of a team that's meant so much to you, you know, in, in your home, uh, right here in, in your home city, and then, uh, of course, celebrating America? Well, it was heady, and it was magical, and it was scary, and it was just, you know, again, a momentous moment that I have had with the Braves, right? Uh, I don't remember how I got the gig, I think Scott might know, honestly. <laughs> he could have done something to help well, move yeah, it along. I, I actually, I'm yes. Thinking, yeah, keep I'm going. I think Scott had something to do with it, so it's, it's always who you know, right? It does but, turn out that way. Well, it, it, what it, Michelle, it was I Knew You is what it was, and uh, the Braves old director of uh, that kind of thing, uh, Matali Chakarobi, called me in Nashville at my office at the time and was looking for somebody in a cowboy hat or something to come down from Nashville and sing on the 4th of July. And I said, wait a minute, uh, you need an Atlanta native to sing on the 4th of July. And I know the perfect person who would nail 
the national anthem and and your version it, with that Woody Guthrie style you brought your acoustic guitar out there and you owned it <laughs> it was amazing and I, I just go back and watch that clip on YouTube sometimes just when I want to get fired up because it was a great performance it, thank you it, it was special it really was and the reason I say it was frightening is because they're my braves right right and and then 50,000 of your closest friends are there <laughs> to witness that. And, and to them, it's not really that big a deal. It's over in two minutes. But it was just such a huge thing for me to get to sing for the Braves. And to do it on the 4th of July was uh, beyond icing on the cake. It was like fire on the cake. So, <laughs> And uh, one of the scariest things was that the I guess uh, I call him the general. I, he could have been a sergeant for all I know, a lieutenant. But he comes in my dressing room, which was actually the Braves' offices, and he times me singing the song and says, okay, now you have to do it at the same tempo or the Jets won't go over the stadium in time. Oh, cool. And I don't think... I knew about the Jets at the time until he said that. And then, of course, you know, my blood pressure shoots through the roof. I'm like, what? Yeah, I know, right? That's so cool, though. You're only queuing no a takeoff. Yeah, no pressure. You're only queuing a takeoff for a couple of Jets from the U.S. Air Force. No problem. Yeah, no, no big deal. I think deal. there were four Jets, and he said they were circling Stone Mountain waiting for his queue. <laughs> wow. All right. And then at the same time, he says, and the largest American flag in the world will be unfurled on the field. Jeez. And I know, and, I, and I, I'm getting all this information, like, you know, not long before I go saying, and wow, you know, it was tense enough, but then I find out those things. And so, yeah, it was, it was a very stressful two minutes. Those two minutes might have taken two years off my life. Oh, no, I it hope not. It was worth it. It yeah. was worth it. Okay, well, so tell me about that because I there's nothing. I was in the U.S. Navy, and I love seeing flyovers, and I love the sound of of military aircraft. Just I, I've just fallen in love with it over the years, and then to see it, you know, when I was in the military is just uh, it's mind boggling. So were, were you able to time it out, and then tell me about the note that you hit when the when the flyover happens because that seems like it's a magical moment. It's kind of a blur. Uh, I tried to do it the same tempo as I did at the dress room, and he was timing me. So I, I guess it worked out okay. I saw a video later, and it seemed to work out okay. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know if they were supposed to come earlier or later. I don't know if the note was, you know, the high note was there when they flew over. You'd have to go look at it. I haven't looked at it with those eyes, you know, wondering that question before. Now, Michelle, uh, I know I know that you were drafted into the music business, so to speak, by a very famous music mogul. And then over the years, uh, you kind of took charge of your own career, and now you own your own label and produce your own records. Tell us about that arc, and how, who was that guy, and how did that happen, and then how did you find your, your own path? Gosh, that is a whole conversation, but I'll try to sum it up in a nutshell. Um, I was playing in little five points at a little pub there. It had been arranged that Clive Davis would come see me perform that night, and I was playing with the, my band, Drag the River, and uh, he pulled his stretch limo up there on the 
you know, a little triangle between the point and the little five points pub and sticks it sticks his head in the club, watches a couple of songs and then invites me into his limo and you know, it's absurd. And uh very heady stuff. I might have been twenty two or something and you know, one thing leads to another. I signed with Arista Records. We put out a record and tour and it you know, uh, you know, it was the wrong place for me at the wrong time and I had a lot of experiences like that where timing wasn't right or what have you. And and eventually, I, you, after you've been in a certain business long enough, you learn the ins and outs and how to navigate it and, and maybe how to run it, right? So eventually, I started putting out my own records again, and which is how we started back in the day. I, I want to say um, in 87 or so, I put out an independent record called New Experience, and that was back then a stepping stone to get a major label deal. Now it is in and of itself a goal. So I'm still putting out my own records, and uh, I don't know, 16 or 17 records later, I'm I'm still loving it, and I'll do it as long as I love it, you know? Right, right. Well, it's amazing. Sixteen. I think you're on 16 now, aren't you? And you have number 17 coming up, is that right? Maybe. <laughs> well, you lost count. <laughs> you need well, to... it's hard to know what to include. Do you include Christmas records? Do you include live records? I don't know. But anyway. I know you've uh, been recording a new record. Are you finished with it? What's it about? When's it coming out? All right. Yeah. So I recently finished recording a new record. And, and when I say recently, I mean like two weeks ago. And uh, it's being manufactured as we speak. And it was written last year, kind of introspective and... You know, I have songs in there about my family, and I have songs in there where I'm really just reflecting on the past because last year, I, well, let's just say I didn't enjoy last year and the arc it took. <laughs> I don't think many people enjoyed 2020. And so I found that I, I wanted a kinder, gentler place to escape to in my mind and in my house, right? So, I, and I generally listen to some older music, but. I, I just wanted to write because that really helps me express myself, and it's it's like positive therapy for me. And and I imagine any anything creative like that is really good for whoever is creating it. So I ended up writing these songs that were a a little more on the tame side than I normally do. They're very singer songwriter oriented, and like I said, introspective and acoustic guitar oriented. But they how you know there's a whole band on the record, but um. I'm calling the record 1977, and I think that's because not only was it just a, a, a kinder time, but the music was really fantastic then, and, and it made a huge impression on me back then. But also, that's the year I started playing guitar, and, and therefore, to me, that's the year I was born, you know, as a musician. And so it's... Uh, it's an enveloping record. It's like a warm blanket on a chilly night, you know? I love that. And it reminds me of something that you said before that I appreciate so much because I'm so proud to be from the South. Because I've heard you say you're proud to be a part of the Southern music quilt, which is a nice uh, segue there. It's just talking about uh, being warm and wrapping up in a nice blanket, and, and that's what your music can do. What is it that being from the South means to you? I from Atlanta. I love living in Atlanta and part of it is because it feels like family. It's it's familiar, it's kind. In 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 its own way, 
it's small, you know, it's a small community, but at the same time, <laughs> it's a huge city with the world's busiest airport and everything you could possibly ever want or need. It seems like we have the best of both worlds here. Yeah. I live in Tucker, and it's a quiet kind mm -hmm. community of folks. I have great neighbors. I'm surrounded by trees. I love that. And and I'm literally 25 minutes to downtown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, it's very similar for my family and I. We're in Alpharetta. Our whole lot is like an acre, you know, and it's, and it's all woods. It's all trees. We sit and watch big hawks fly from tree to tree, mm -hmm. and you know, and we watch and, and hear these owls every night. Sometimes they wake me up at 3 in the morning just out there mm -hmm. hooting and hollering. You know, it's that kind of feel. There's... I would tell you now. This is this is going to sound bad, but it's it's not really. It's just kind of life happening and, and nature happening. The other night, my wife and and I and some friends are sitting on the back deck, and there was a baby deer that come running out of the woods. And my wife's like, "Oh my gosh, baby deer!" And I was like, uh, "Some there's, there's a reason that deer's running like that." I didn't know what it was. And then there's two coyotes that came storming oh, no. out of the wood after. Yeah, it was not great, but it was just at the same time. You're like, "Man, and what? A, where are we? This is fantastic <laughs> to to be able to see nature that close." And you're 20, like you said, we're we're 30 minutes from one of the biggest cities in the world. A special place geographically like that and and also it's very convenient for me in that I can get to any number of cities and other states as a musician you know it's easy to get around and and we have a great airport, so it's easy to fly around. And, you know, I don't know. There's so many great things about it. Now, being part of that Southern music quilt, it's kind of, I think, uh, a family in its own way, uh, the Southern music family. And uh, you spent some time with one of the grandfathers of that family. Uh, you made some music with the late Greg Allman. Can you, can you share with us how that went and tell us about that experience? Well, you're just touching on all my highlights of my life. It's like, this is your life, Michelle Malone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Behind the music. Um, yeah, well, I, I had Chuck Lavelle. I invited Chuck Lavelle to play on a record of mine um, back in 2015, maybe, and he came and just tore up the piano on a couple of tracks, and it sounded amazing. So, And he had no idea who he is. I'm, you, you know these super famous, super talented people who are so down to earth, and they they don't have airs about them, and they don't work from ego they're just down to earth normal people and a lot of folks that stay in georgia when they you know gain notoriety are like that <laughs> another reason to stay here and love georgia but so chuck um was putting on a show at atlanta symphony hall and it was a tribute to georgia music uh i think he does it most every year and there was a section within that show that was a tribute to Otis Redding, and he called me and asked me if I wouldn't mind singing an Otis Redding song or two. He wanted me to do Respect, and that was later covered by Aretha. Okay, that in and of itself is scary as hell. That's quite to an honor. To do justice to not only Otis Redding, but Aretha is mind-boggling i i was stunned and then he drops the bomb oh and i want you to sing a duet with gregory and i sit there a minute and my head is going gregory you mean greg as in almond mm. and i i i just dropped the phone because i 
I didn't want to do it. I didn't believe him, and I didn't want to do it. It was too scary. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So how did you overcome that? Well, I just, you know, I told Chuck, I'm like, are you sure you want me to do all this stuff? Because I just don't know if I can do it. And he actually talked me into it. Like, yeah, you can do it. I've seen you. You can do it. You'll be great. Just say yes. So I did. And I think at that point, maybe I had two or three weeks before the show. So I just practiced incessantly. You know, I've washed the dishes. I'm singing the two songs. I'm vacuuming. I'm singing the two songs. I'm driving in my car, you know. So I just practiced a lot. And that's one thing. You think you got it, but then you get to the show, and there's Greg Allman and Chuck, and the symphony is backing you up, and it's, you know, it's pretty heavy stuff, but it worked out really well, and Greg's another was another one of those guys who just didn't really put on airs, and he didn't work for Ego. He was just this wonderful, down-to-earth, very talented, very famous guy. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> That's uh, what a fascinating story. I just uh, that's I mean, that's the living legend that, that you're able to work with. Yeah, I mean, that's that's I think probably most people who are uh, from the South that play music that that's one of their dreams, at least at then, you know, before uh, before he passed. That, that was what everybody wanted to do. That's what everybody dreamed of doing. And you got to do it. I know. I, I feel very blessed. But, you know, I've, I've gotten to sing and or perform or share stages or be at least on the same bill with a lot of wonderfully talented people, wonderfully successful. But, you know, it, it's the experience before or after the show where you are just being humans together backstage, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and we got to hang out backstage and we got to rehearse together in his dressing room on this upright, beat-up old piano and... He was just talking about when he toured solo in the 70s and how many people were on the road with him. I mean, he was telling us stories in the dressing room. And it, it's things like that that really are endearing. Yeah, yeah. Me. I mean, you, all of a sudden you become uh, part of music royalty because you can pass on stories that no one else may know. I mean, you could be the only people that know these stories that he shared. Maybe so. Who knows? I mean, that's that, to me, that's fascinating. I mean, that, that's like legendary. Not only do you perform and have performed with the greats of music and, and just uh, been able to experience that and live that dream, you also created a special scholarship for girls and made a real impact, which is pretty impressive and, and amazing uh, in a way to give back. What can you share with us about that? Tell us about the, that experience. I was just made aware of the fact that there were some, uh, let's say, driven and scholarly students uh, at a school that, you know, either were sleeping in their cars. Oh, my. They were homeless. And, you know, this still goes on all the time. Of course everywhere, it does. Even yeah. in Atlanta, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it does. Uh, or they, you know, came from a broken family who their parents are on drugs and, they were incredibly smart but needed help, didn't have money to go to school or books or whatever. So, you know, we just helped out. We And it, it's not just me. It's it's my community of my fan base, really, family and friends as well. People just chipped in every year. We would continually raise money, and we would have certain things for sale on the website at com that would help raise money for these kids. and. 
you know, we, we helped several kids get into it. We actually helped one kid go all the way through and get her master's. And uh, she's, you know, married and has a great job. And so it, it's a happy ending. But it takes a village, you know. It, it's not about me, and, it, and it, it's really just something I've always wanted to do because I was helped when I needed to go to college. And, and people have always been really generous to me, and I want to give back. It's just what you do, right? I love that. No, I, it's just that, that duty, that sense of duty or, or sense of uh, something bigger than yourself. And, you know, unfortunately, these days it seems like that not enough people are worried. I mean, it, I, maybe it's, it's you know, the Instagram instant gratification. It's, you know, look at me, everything's about me thing that social media has caused a little bit that some of that stuff gets looked over. And I just feel like that people like you bring life back to where it should be, which is kind of centered. There's a lot of people that do that. You know, there's a lot of people who are grounded and who want to be a part of a community. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not special in that respect. But I think it's important to give back and to uh, kind of – set that example because that's how others learn i agree i, th- I think it's when great you, when you walk the talk i mean that's how i learned about giving back so many people helped me over the years that uh as a teenager or in college or when i was starting out in my career you know and 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 i learned that that's what you do and you know what i think i learned that in church i learned it from my parents my grandparents always lend a hand when you can you know, if you see a need, and I, you know, and I even say this to my and my son's 17 now, but I remember telling him when he was a little bitty guy in, in elementary school and kind of middle school and even early high school, he's, he's going to be a rising junior at Alpharetta High. And I remember telling him, I was like, if you see the kid that nobody's sitting with, go sit with him. Do that. Go find that kid that maybe isn't my son's a competitive baseball player. I was like, find the kid that doesn't play baseball all that well, but wants to be out there. And pick him for your team. You know, do something that's going to make a difference in someone's life. And I was like, it can be little things like that. Or hold the door for somebody who's carrying their books. Or if somebody's forgotten their lunch money and you have it, pay for it. Don't expect it back. Do it because you have it and you can help. And you know what? I feel like that that stuff is is taught at, at a young age. And, and it sounds like you and I had kind of that same instruction. Not that we're special, not that we're better than anybody else because we do it. It's just because that's who we are and that's who the people who have taught us over the years are. Yeah, I think those are wonderful examples of little things you can do that make a big impression. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, things like that, those memories, those positive impressions will last a lifetime. I think you're right. I think you're right. Talking to Michelle Malone here on the Braves Country Podcast, Scott Munn, and I'm Tug Cowart. Uh, all right, so we, we've talked about a career. We've talked about some heavy things, you know, doing the right thing, helping people out. Now let's talk about your favorite places to eat across Braves Country, across the southeast, you know, the hidden spots that you go to. You know, what? what's your top five, say, mom and pop or local restaurants around the southeast or in your hometown of Tucker or even Atlanta? What do you, what do you got? I just. I just got one. I got one for you. All right. Maybe I got two. Okay. I go to the Colonnade incessantly. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Scott just gave a big thumbs up to the Colonnade. (laughs) Love the Colonnade. They have have the best fried chicken in Atlanta as far as I'm concerned. Sister. Now you're talking. Now you're talking my language. And you want to talk history. I mean, 
1923, they opened the colonnade. So, and it's still owned by a family, an Atlanta family. So that's important to me, you know. And yeah. They almost had the close last year, and uh. they had a big GoFundMe, and everyone ponied up, and here we are. I was there the other night, Sunday night, and it was full up, packed, and a 45-minute wait. And that made me so happy, That's even right. though I was starving. That's right. <laughs> and uh, I really like Mediterranean Grill for a good Greek salad. They mm. have great uh, chicken there, and I like that. I love well, I love barbecue. Greek salads. Yeah, barbecue. No, we always we always have to talk. Yeah, we always have to talk about That's barbecue right. on every episode. Right. It never it never miss we never miss it. <laughs> it never escapes us. So go go for it. We got to hear about your barbecue choices and what is your standard order? Well, I just had Williams Brothers barbecue a couple days ago, and it it's amazing. I love it. I love it too. And they have so many sauces. You can pretend you're Memphis. You can pretend you're North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You can I love you're that. Alabama. I love that mustard based. <laughs> I do, too. It's my favorite. Uh, and I like their sides, too. Their sides are really good. So sides are as important as the, the smoked meats and when you get barbecue, right? Agreed. I don't, I don't want peppers in my potato salad or my beans. <laughs> Sister specific. I'm that girl. It's sister specific about it. She's like, look, if you start putting peppers in my beans or my potato salad, you're not going to have an issue. We're gonna, I'm look, not going to eat them. Seriously, I'll hit you with my guitar case or something. Ask my mother. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I love so, it. It's uh, awesome. Those are three off the top of my head. No, that's really great. Now, Michelle, you were talking about how fans of the Colonnade uh, kind of rose up online and supported them to uh, get them back in business. And, and uh, that leads me to, now you funded your new recording with a Kickstarter campaign that went over the top. People went nuts for it. And let me tell you, I went online to get in on that because I wanted to be supportive because you've always been so supportive of me, of course, but also because I just want to make sure I got a copy of the record right away. And when I went there to to sign up for your Kickstarter, I discovered Michelle Malone bobbleheads, and I, I, and I was a. Ama- that's why, and I went. That's why I had to get two, because I wanted to make sure we had them. And uh, that is amazing. That just shows how much of a of a baseball fan you are that you would uh, create a, a or somebody made a Michelle Malone bobblehead. Tell us all about it. And, and do you still have any left at michellemalone.com? What's up with the bobbleheads? You can still pre-order my new record at michellemalone.com. You can still pre-order the bobblehead there as well. And it's a little embarrassing, but yeah, I got a bobblehead. What about it? That's awesome. (laughs) My first bobblehead was Bobby Cox. Right. I made sure I was at the game at Turner Field to get my Bobby Cox bobblehead. And uh, that just kind of started this weird collection. And then I thought, well, how amazing would it be to have a bobblehead made of yourself? And one thing leads to another. And I tell a friend that one day, and he gets together with some other friends, and, and they, for my birthday, had one made. That's crazy cool. That's so funny. And it, it was amazing and embarrassing, and I love it. So um, I decided. And that was about the time I went to the studio to start my new record. And so I decided, well, I would I would manufacture these bobbleheads and put them on the Kickstarter and on my website. So you can have them on my bobblehead. We need to get, get one. there soon enough. We I'm need put, to get one. I'm putting mine right next to Bobby Cox and <laughs> Chipper Jones in my bobblehead collection. And, and Michelle Malone will be right there on the shelf. Oh, you got a chipper bobblehead. Yeah. I need a chipper bobblehead. You do. I've got, uh, I've got Bobby Cox and... Uh, I had a couple of, uh, oh, gosh, 
Freddy's. Okay. And I, I gave one to my niece and one to my neighbor because they're really bad that I was moving and trying to clean out stuff. But I have a Gandalf bobblehead because <laughs> he looks just like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad is Gandalf. That's awesome. <laughs> How cool well, is that? He was. And so I, I'm i going to, when my bobblehead comes, I'm going to put Bobby, Gandalf, and me up there. Cool. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be funny. Very cool. Hey, you know, Michelle, uh, at the ballpark, we're going to have Hank Aaron weekend, and they have three Hank Aaron bobbleheads coming out. So maybe that's when what? you want to get out to Truist Park. I'll be there. What is it that you like to listen to? Like when you're just listening to music, what do you listen to? Boy, that's really going to confuse people. Lately, I've been listening to uh, a lot of jazz and R&B. Uh-huh. Because I, I find it a little more relaxing to just sit in the groove. Yeah. Prior to lately, uh, I might have been stuck in the past with some uh, kind of Laurel Canyon, 70s country rock stuff. Oh, like yeah. Like that, Neil Young. And, yeah. Um, that whole era. In fact, I'm going to do a live stream with some of those songs in it soon. And Very cool. So I love that era, and it, it kind of you know goes along with the whole 1977 uh, thing that has influenced me so much. And, uh, of course, I love my local folks, and not just the Allman Brothers, but, of course, I love driving and crying, and oh I love Blackberry Smoke, me and too. I also love all the singer-songwriters out of Atlanta. I love the Indigo Girls and Sean yeah. Mullins and yeah. Elliot Bronson and a lot of great folks here. There's so much good music. You can't really swing a stick without hitting a That's great right. musician here. You're 100% right. And you, and you mentioned so many great artists. And it's so funny because my wife's from upstate New York and had never even really heard of Driving and Crying until we were married. And we've been married 20 years now, but she'd never really hurt and now she loves them and she's always loved rem and she's always loved the indigo girls and so she had this connection with georgia even before we got married and before we ever met she didn't know it but uh you know the good lord knew what he was doing and 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 <laughs> she you know she is uh she's got great taste in music and she's my best friend in the world and uh she's Aww. the smartest person i've ever met in my life and she gave me a baby boy and i just owe her everything in the world and could not live without her but um she was she connected. Must be listening. No, she not. Not there's not a chance. I'm telling you, that's the one thing I can say is that is I've been working in radio for I don't know 20 years, and because I've always worked country radio or sports talk or some sort of talk format, and she wants to listen to the Indigo Girls and REM and Drive and Grind, so she never she never has a minute to listen to me. Tug, let's get together and take her to a Michelle Malone. Seriously, show. she would. Think? I think it would be awesome. She would love it. She would absolutely love it. Last thing before we let you go, because we appreciate your time and and know it's valuable, and uh, we just. Uh, appreciate that you would take the time out for us and uh, if you ever get a chance we'd love to have you here at the Braves Radio Network Studios here next to Truist Park and uh, when your new record is out I want you to come play some new songs on the show and you know you're welcome anytime you're officially part of the uh, the Braves Country family well gosh thank you so much I really appreciate that and I would be honored to come be there that'd be awesome we'd love it thank you so much Michelle Malone for, uh, for joining us and we hope you have the best day ever Thank you, Tug, and thank you, Scott. Go Braves. Go Braves. Go Braves. See you now. Bye-bye. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. 
Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart. There needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 